Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two Men Drill. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm joined by Don. How's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Good to be back. All right. It was a crazy week three. We got to see a mm-hmm. lot of upsets, two-point conversions, a sequel to the butt fumble, the butt punt, which I never <laughs> thought would be a thing. But you think it would be an improvement over the butt fumble? What was that? I think it would be an improvement. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, we've evolved the fumble to the punt. I was watching that game, and I was just like, what did I just see? <laughs> oh, Well, let's get right into it, man. Who is your week three MVP? It's got to be Lamar Jackson. He, I tell you what, man, every time I doubt this guy, he just proves to me that, yeah, he is a great NFL player. You know, you know the, the big complaint about him is he's never really been able to throw the ball, and he's doing that better than he ever has. He's as effective on the ground as he ever has. I mean, he had, what, five total touchdowns, and only one of them was on the ground this, this past week? I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from Lamar Jackson. And he's doing it with Mark Andrews, who obviously is one of the best tight ends in football, but a receiving core of of Devin Duvernay and Rashad Bateman, two guys that are pretty unproven in the league. I'm really impressed. I'm too. And honestly, I would say he is definitely doing that to prove a point because, Mm -hmm. I mean, lighting it up since the beginning of the season. And I just kind of wish he wasn't in the NFC North personally, but that's just the (laughs) AFC North, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, I, I got yeah, I got Chris Olave. He got uh, you know over the mm. weekend, 147 receiving yards, caught 10 for 10 out of 14. I mean, just rookie receiver really finding his uh, step early and playing out lights out. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's good to see a rookie, especially you know someone that I watched a lot at Ohio State, make the most of the opportunities that he's given. He's really taken advantage of Michael Thomas being injured again. And, um, yeah, I know a lot of other weapons on that team have, are either injured or underperforming. Alvin Kamara, I'm kind of looking at you there. Um, so, yeah, he, he's been given an opportunity. He's been making the most of it. And I tell you what, he, he could really be something at the NFL level. Oh, I agree. And, I mean, especially, like, when you get those veteran players that get injured and you have to put a rookie in their place, you never know what the result's really going to be. So it's always awesome when you mm-hmm. realize that you got one of those rookies that just out the gate swinging, doesn't need a lot of development. All right, moving on to the next one, which was Thursday night football. We got to see the Browns and the Steelers play a game that we see plenty of times in the past. What'd you think about it, man? Thoughts on this are pretty much the same as what I've thought of the Browns the first couple of weeks. Really impressed by their offense. I really like how they've played. Are they a great offense? No. They're a limited offense, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad offense. I mean, they're putting up, you know, 20 points a game or more. They're getting the job done on the ground. Jacoby Brissett's playing a lot better than I thought that he ever would. And it was good to see the the defense kind of take advantage of, uh, I guess, a more favorable matchup against someone like Mitch Trubisky. That was my biggest concern with the Browns was their defense. I thought that they'd play well enough to keep the game close, but kind of give it up at the end like they did against the Jets. So overall, I think the Browns played really well, really optimistic about them going forward. And the Steelers, I think it's time to move to to Kenny Pickett. I I think the experiment with Mitch Trubisky and letting Pickett kind of learn is kind of over because I I hate to say it, but I don't think Mitch is really a starting NFL quarterback at this point. They need to do something on offense to just move the ball. 
The Mitch doesn't do that. He doesn't move the ball at all. You got good weapons at the wide receiver core. You got Najee Harris. I know the offensive line is a big question, but you you got to do something. I think it's time to move on to pick. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, I really wanted the Mitch Tabriski experiment to go well just because I don't feel like he got a good shot in Chicago. So it's kind of yeah. maybe get a job. You know, for, for me, he's a local kid. He grew up the next city over from me. <laughs> I I ran into him uh, a couple of weeks before the draft in downtown Willoughby, which is like a city by us. Um, he was just out to dinner with his family, so I sat and talked with him for a little. Um, really cool. Yeah, but uh, another thing that I wanted to point out, the Steelers' defense, without T.J. Watt, they are mid at best. Like, T- I've, I've never seen a defense so dependent – on just one one defensive end is their whole defense. They have a secondary that can't cover and can't tackle. They have Cam Hayward, who, yes, he's one of the best defensive tackles in football, but you can't rely on one defensive tackle to be your entire pass run. And their their linebackers are okay outside of Devin Bush. So, yeah, their, their defense, some big issues. In the offseason, I would really look towards upgrading that, that secondary outside of Mika Fitzpatrick. I agree. And uh, something else I noticed, I mean, not so much with their defense, but uh, during that game, you could see a big difference in just third down conversions. The Browns, they made most of their third downs where the uh, Steelers, they only made one out of nine third down conversions, which, I mean, that just shows how bad your point was. Them not be able to move the ball, not be able to get the first down when they needed it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns, they have so many weapons on offense. It, I mean, there was one uh, third down where Chubb was in the backfield as running back. They had Kareem Hunt originally lined up as a wide receiver in the slot. They had David Njoku out there, and they had Amari Cooper. And they motioned Kareem Hunt into the backfield to play as the fullback and handed him the ball. If, if it's third and short, you have to worry about – Anything that Nick Nick Chubb can do, you have to worry about anything that Kareem Hunt can do. Or you got a little play-action pass, so you could screen it to either Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. You can check it down to David Njoku. Or, like we saw on another third-down play, you bait him with the play-action pass, and you take advantage of one-on-one coverage on Amari Cooper, who was wide open down the field. So I, I think Kevin Stefanski has been calling really good plays on offense, and they got – a lot of weapons that defenses, you, you know, you can only cover so many people. And the Browns have more talented players than defense that can really handle it. I agree. And uh, I mean, I will admit that I had resignations about Jacoby Brissett, but over three weeks, mm-hmm. out run better and better and better, which, I mean, that's just amazing to me. And yeah. talking about Jacoby Brissett, I just want to get your opinion because you got Jacoby Brissett, you know, playing really good. You got Cooper Rush for the Cowboys playing really good in place of Dak. If these guys keep going at this level, do you see it possibly where either of them keeps the starting job for the season? No, no. The the Browns can go undefeated the rest of the way uh, going into the Texans game, and same with uh, the Cowboys. The, yes, Jacoby Brissett's been playing well, and Cooper Rush has been playing really well, but there's still a pretty big talent difference between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson. And there's obviously a big talent difference between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. Just taking money out of it, you know, obviously, you know, the Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott are going to get the jobs just because of the money that they're being paid, especially Deshaun Watson. But it, just looking at it from a football perspective, yes, Jacoby Brissett's been playing really well right now. But as a backup quarterback, 
you're only really playing three to four weeks at a time. You're not really being asked to play 11. And he's been taking advantage of some good, some weaker competition the first couple of weeks of the season. I really want to see how he performs coming up. They got the Chargers coming up. They got some other tough games. Yeah, I, I know he's playing really well right now, but there's still a big talent drop off from Deshaun Watson to Jacoby Brissett. So if he can play well enough to keep the Browns in the playoff hunt and kind of keep them in it, then when Deshaun Watson comes back, I think the Browns are feeling pretty good about their chances. And you know, going back to the Cowboys, Cooper Rush, yeah, he played really well against the um, Giants. I think Dak is going to be coming back in, what, two, three weeks? If he can, again, keep them kind of in the playoff picture in the NFC, uh, yeah, Dak is coming back, and he's starting as soon as he possible. I will say something just kind of interesting. The Cowboys owner in an interview was very, uh, what's the right term? Non, like, he didn't specifically say, yeah, Dak will definitely be starting when he comes back if Cooper Rush come, keeps up this pace. Which, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I know Jerry kind of likes to just talk a lot just to stir up some headlines. I, I think that he's just kind of saying that to kind of build some confidence in Cooper Rush to kind of make him a little bit more confident in himself so he goes out there and plays better. But I don't know. I mean, I I tell you what, I am impressed with him, how he's played the last couple of weeks. I think he could potentially get a job somewhere, maybe as like a filler quarterback for like a, a team that's kind of rebuilding. But yeah, who knows? But yeah. I, I think that's interesting. Well, I mean, I think maybe it also was to, you know, when Dak gets back, give him a little bit more uh, encouragement to play harder, make him come back angry, you know? That, and I, I think I would take that as they're not going to rush Dak back. They want him to come back fully healthy. They don't want to bring him back at 80% and then he re-aggravates his injury later in the season. Now, the NFC is kind of weak at this point. If they can hover around that six, seven, eight spot, and they can give Dak time to really heal, then, yeah, they can take advantage of their schedule at the end of the season and really make a good playoff push when they're pretty healthy. And you definitely don't want to bring a quarterback back sooner than we saw what happened here last year. It never seems to work out well. All right, moving on to our next one. And we actually talked about this a little bit in the offseason, the uh, – Pro Bowl, what our thoughts were about it. Well, the NFL finally announced that the Pro Bowl is gone. In its place, we are getting a week of competitions ending with a flag football game. What's your opinion on it, man? I love it. The The, the Pro Bowl was trash. I don't think I've watched it since 2005. And I don't think anyone's watched it since about 2004. Because <laughs> I think that's the last time they did the skills competitions. It was garbage. The players hated it. No one liked going. I think people kind of liked it when it was in Hawaii because they got a free vacation to Hawaii, but no one, no one takes it seriously. It's a meaningless football game. So no one's going to be taking it seriously and risk major injury for a pointless, you know, all-star game for the most part. I do like the skills competition. I will be interested to see what kind of skills competitions they do, because I don't know about you, but if it's like, if we, if we can get like a skill competition between offensive linemen for like a hot dog pizza and beer chugging competition. I would love to see that because you know those guys can can put away some food, and we've seen them chug some beer. So I would love to see what linemen can eat the most pizza and chug the most beer. I would love to see that, man. I mean, just keep it fun, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody nobody took it seriously in the first place, so why take it seriously now? Exactly. Flag football game. I'm, 
eh, you know, but I really do want to kind of see what competitions are going to have. A beer drinking competition would definitely get more views than a 40-yard dash. Definitely, and it would definitely get more views than the old Pro Bowl. I mean, just yeah. being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, and then uh, we're going to move on to the only 3-0 and team in the league. The Miami Dolphins have been dominating it, and I can't even say it's, you know, been against, you know, bad teams. They beat New England, which, eh, but they also beat the Ravens and the Bills. And, I mean, you could say the Bills was a lot of luck involved because there was. But, I mean, they have been very dominant this year. And I just want to get your opinion. Do you think they're the team to beat in the AFC now? Just because they weren't really in the conversation before the season. And what makes this team so dangerous? Um, It's difficult. I still would put the Bills above them in the AFC. I know they just lost to the Dolphins, but the Bills were missing four starters on that defense. Um, I think they were missing two people in that secondary, including their starting safety. I think they were missing someone at each level of the defense. I would love to see them fully healthy play against each other, but the Dolphins are really impressive. They are playing better than I thought they would. I am really impressed with how Tua is playing. And I think what really makes them difficult is the speed that they have with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and the committee of running backs that they have. I think they they are taking the 49ers route of, of offense and just having like four or five, five different running backs that, that see the field at any given day. But yeah, it's, it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that really set them apart. Really, really impressed with them so far. I do think that they will be one of the top teams in the AFC, but I don't, I'm not ready to put them above the Bills just yet. A, a fully healthy Bills team. I'm not ready to put them above them yet. And like I said, that was a game with more few things that went their way that could have gone either way. A lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. Well, he has been playing great. I mean, over three weeks, 925 yards, eight touchdowns, only two interceptions, and 117 QBR. I mean, he's been mm-hmm. lights out. I think it was against the Ravens where he threw for almost 500 yards just in that game, which that's really <laughs> especially for a guy who last year people were saying, oh, he's going to be lose his starting job. He's not a starting quarterback, you know. That yeah, kind of- yeah. Don't forget last year they were ready to trade for Deshaun Watson. I they, know. That trade was like – so close to being done. Like, it was pretty much a done deal. They were ready to move on from Tua. And you know what? I'm pretty sure they're glad that they didn't because uh, of all the drama that the Browns had to deal with and how good uh, Tua is playing this year. I'm sure that they are. Also, you know, sometimes young quarterbacks, they just need time. Uh, a lot of times, you know, organizations, fans are are too quick to, to write off someone that's only been in the league for two years. This is Tua's third year in the league, you know. I mean – Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for three years. He didn't. He didn't start a game till year four. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it just takes time. There, there's nothing wrong with with taking a couple of years and learning how to play at the NFL level. But I'm just loving. You know, two is coming into his own. That receiving core is extremely mm-hmm. dangerous, and that defense has been great this year. So I'm with you. I can't say they're number one but they're really close i just think mm-hmm. it was surprising just because they weren't really in the talk of best teams in the afc before the season so i think they'll have some great games later on this year again so that is a game to watch out for all right but speaking of games to watch out for what is your game of the week that you are excited to this is difficult because <laughs> there's a lot of good games this week um but i'm really intrigued by this jacksonville and philadelphia game 
Philly playing a lot better than I thought they would. I thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the NFC East going into the season. But Jalen Hurts, man, he's looking phenomenal. And I'm, I'm glad to see it, too, because he's kind of been written off. You know, at Alabama, he had to transfer. He had to go to, to Oklahoma. He was kind of written off early in his NFL career. And he, he's just proving, again, that, yeah, he can play at any level. And I am really excited to see it. The um, Eagles defense looks really good. Their offense looks elite. But the Jaguars, man, I'll, I shout out to Nick because going into uh, going into the season, he he picked it as one of his sleeper teams, and they're they're looking really good. I knew they would be better going into this season just because they have a real head coach, um, and they were able to bring in some players in free agency. But that defense looks very good, and Trevor Lawrence. There's definitely been a couple steps forward with him. I'm liking that receiving core, and James Robinson is is still James Robinson, even though they have Travis Etienne back. So really encouraged with what I'm seeing from Jackson. So I'm very interested to see that game. And you honestly stole the same one I was going to pick because this is uh, two teams which they are performing much better than what people thought they were going to in, at the beginning of the season. I mean, Nick picked them as a sleeper team last week. David picked the Jaguars to get the upset and – it happened, and I was not expecting that. So I think it's going to be a really good game. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I, I don't want to say the Jaguars are going to lose because every time I do, they somehow win. But I'm going to say that you're probably going to win that one. Just my yeah. opinion. You know, another game that I'm really interested to see is Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Kansas City, how do they respond to that, that shocking loss to uh, Indianapolis? And Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's looking old, man. Like, he... He's looking bad, and I think they're going to have Mike Evans back this week. I This slips in my mind how long his suspension is, um, and I think Chris Godwin's coming back from injury this week. So we could see a mostly healthy Buccaneers offense. I'm kind of interested to see how both of these teams respond because it, it can start going downhill pretty quickly. You know, both these teams coming off of some pretty close, tough losses – if Tampa Bay loses again, they'll be sitting at what one in three, and who knows what's going to come from after that. Um, Kansas City again. If they lose again, then you, you're really looking at yourself like, okay, what does this offense look like outside of Patrick Mahomes throwing to Travis Kelsey? Because that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, looking at the Chiefs, I mean, it would be a little more worrying for them just because the AFC is so top heavy. Mm-hmm. They lose another game. That's a hole that's going to be. Yeah, especially with teams like the Browns and the Dolphins playing better than what people thought they would. Um, It definitely makes it a little bit tougher. Again, Jacksonville, they're in the AFC. They're playing better than anyone thought that they would. So this conference is shaping up to be a lot tighter than what people thought that it was going to be, even though we already knew that it was going to be a pretty tough conference. Yeah, I mean, with the AFC, there's some teams that have gone way better than what we thought. There's some teams that, haven't been nearly as good as we thought, like the Broncos and the Raiders come to mind. I mean, I was not expecting yeah. to go 0-3. I mean, I, I think the Broncos will figure it out. It's You have a first-time head coach, and you have a quarterback that is coming from one system that he's ran for 10-plus years to learning a new offense and a new system and not playing in the preseason. So these first couple weeks are the preseason. So I think, you know, once you kind of – work out, learn the offense, 
I think things will will take off for the for the Broncos. I'm not too worried. Yeah, I'm hoping because I have Russell Wilson as my fantasy quarterback, so please mm-hmm. points for him. I, I have Javante Williams in a couple of my leagues, so I'm just sitting there waiting for him. Like, okay, are you, are you going to go off this week? Because I kind of need it. But waiting. Oh, it's been a rough three weeks for me. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll move on to our underdog bet, which. Like I mentioned earlier, congratulations to David. He got it right last week and got a whopping seven points, picking the Jaguars to get the upset, which I was not expecting. We got yeah, a, that was a good that was a good pick by him. That was a really good pick. So, um, what is your uh, pick for this week's upset? There's there's a lot <laughs> there's there's a lot of good picks here. One that really jumps out to me. There's a couple. Um, the Dolphins being three and a half point underdogs um, going against the Bengals. Um, the Jaguars six and a half point underdogs against the Eagles. That one's really interesting to me. Other than that, I mean, that yeah, I think those would probably be uh, the ones that I would go for. Actually, you know what? There's another one. The Rams being one and a half point underdogs against the 49ers. I, I think the Rams are a much better team. I know Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Trey Lance, but we, we know what he is at this point. Yeah, uh, the Rams being one-and-a-half-point underdogs to the 49ers. There's a lot of weird lines. If you're, if you're looking for a pretty safe bet, I think that's the safest. Rams, 49ers? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to stick with the Dolphins-Bengals. I saw that line, and I had to double and triple check that the Bengals are favored to win. Not being you know, mean to the Bengals, but they've had a bit of a slow start to the season. Yeah. And I thought it would be flipped the other way. So that's my bet is I'm sticking with Thursday night football and I'm picking the Bengals. Right. Or I'm picking the Dolphins to upset the Bengals. <laughs> there it's we go. Like, there we go. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Two Minute Drill. We're going to wrap it up for the week and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, B-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.